Green Team Academy podcast, episode 60. Tune in to my interview with Tara Toll and hear about the citywide Denver Compost Challenge. Hey, are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Hey, Green Team, what's up? Oh my goodness, I'm so happy to be back here with you again. And today's episode is going to be really fun because I'm going to be talking with kind of my neighbor. And uh, this is someone that I met less than a year ago, actually just about nine months ago. This is Tara Toll. And at that time, her connection, our first connection is that she's part of the Congress Park Neighbors Green Team. And a few years back, I started that green team and then I moved out of the neighborhood. And so it was really cool to connect with Tara. Um, But then, you know, she was thinking about getting involved somehow. And so this is what we're going to be talking about today is the Denver Compost Challenge. And I think you're really going to like this story because it's, it's a really cool example of collaboration and how things can happen really quickly. And so with that, I just want to say thank you so much, Tara, for joining me today and for hanging out with us. And the first question I want to ask you is, of, of all the things that you could be working on, why, what brought your interest to working in this environmental area? Wow, that's a big question, Joan. Um, <laughs> So I've actually always been interested in environmental politics, environmental action. I go back to the Woodsy Owl commercials from the 1960s. I don't know if you remember those. Give a hoot, don't pollute. When I was a little kid, I used to pick up other people's trash. You know, I saw somebody dumping trash on the sidewalk. I would pick that up. Um, And when I, I started college at CU Boulder in 1979, and I was originally an environmental conservation major, And so I was taking classes about energy usage and I was active in a group called the Endangered Species Group. And I was learning about the deforestation of the rainforest and how that was gonna affect the climate. So really learning about a lot of this climate change stuff at an early age. But at the time the program at CU Boulder wasn't as well developed and I ended up taking a women's studies class and falling in love with that and being a women's studies major and kind of going that route. Um, And, you know, ended up teaching in women's studies and running a women's center and doing work on human trafficking and issues like that for years and years. Um, And in part, because I found the environment so over, like I get so emotionally overwhelmed when I hear about the frogs, right? Or the, you know, the Panamanian golden frogs going extinct. I just weep and sob. And, you know, I cry on my way to when I would go to work and be listening to NBR and hear an environmental story. So for the last few years, I've been thinking, well, I I just retired after 20 years uh, at Metro State University, and I thought, I want to do environmental work, but I've got to figure out how not to be so emotionally overwhelmed by it. And I realized that urban sustainability is something positive and 
um, sort of uplifting and it's a great way to meet my neighbors. So instead of focusing on endangered species directly, and I don't have the biology background to do that, I could focus on what can I do as an urban dweller to make sure that our environment is safe and sustainable for animals and birds and insects and plants and all the things I love and care about. Um, so that's how, you know, that's kind of my cycle of where I ended up now. That's such a lovely story because I think for anyone listening, you've probably had that same experience, right? Where it's like you, you hear something like a bird population or frog population crashing or, or people that are having to relocate because of, of climate change or something. And it's just so overwhelming that you just want to shut down and, and you just can't handle it. And so I, I love that you took, you took that care and, and then focused it to, okay, what can I do? And, and I think the thing about you get together, make a difference and feel better. So yeah, once you start knowing your neighbors, and I know the first time we had um, the first Congress Park Neighbors Green Team meeting, just having everybody come together and saying, I love gardening and I want to share about that. And I love trees. And, you know, is there's, it's just so supportive. And, and just the way that you described it is we really, we really need that part of it. Okay. All right. So you were on the Congress Park Neighbors Green Team yep. and maybe we can do another podcast about what all that the Congress Park Neighbors Green Team has been up to. Mm -hmm. But now let's, I want to talk about this Denver Compost Challenge. And um, so as I, as I recall that, you know, we were um, together, together there the end of November at the Sustainable Denver Summit. And right. I, I met you there and you were saying, okay, well, I want to do something more. And, and so tell us a little bit about how this, this compost challenge came about um, for, for the folks who, who didn't get to witness it firsthand like I did. Okay. Well, so yes, I started to get more active in the green team. I'd gone to some of their events, but hadn't been sort of in the leadership and started being, you know, going to some of their planning meetings and decided that the waste diversion piece was really interesting to me. Denver has this amazing program where they will give you a green compost cart and you can put, it's amazing what you can put in there. So you can put all your yard waste, including weeds, um, including branches up to four feet long and four inches thick, all your food waste, including meat and bones and dairy and eggshells and tea bags and coffee grinds, and all um, things like paper towels, paper napkins, greasy pizza boxes, all of that stuff I used to have to put in my trash because it couldn't, um, because I didn't have my compost cart. You pay approximately $9.75 a month, which is less than two coffees a month, which is my favorite money I spend every month. And you get the bin and they pick it up every week. So, and I got, you can get different sizes. I got the biggest size because I let my neighbor put her compost in my bin as well. So I got, just once I had the card, I was super excited about composting, super excited about recycling. I worked at EcoCycle when I was 19. I used to go around and pick, back before they had the fancy trucks, we had to literally lift up 
the stuff people left on the curbs and put it up in a truck or in an old school bus. So I've been recycling since I was 19 years old. Um, anyway, so I'm really excited about exciting uh, recycling and composting. And so uh, Congress Park Green Team, we have a waste diversion subcommittee. And so our focus is on encouraging more people to compost, encouraging more people to recycle and teaching them what they can put in which cart. So we have what they call a clean stream. The stream is what, you know, ends up at the processing places. And so that was just an interest before I met you. Um, so I saw that there was a sustainability conference. And even though that conference seems to be more focused on industry, meaning people who work in sustainability, because I was retired and had recently retired, I was like, oh, woohoo, I have a day off. I can go to this conference. And I just went to that conference and thought, I am just going to put myself out there and talk to as many people as I can and just see who's out there. I went to all the booths. I talked to people all over. So I ended up talking to you and discovered that you had started the Congress Park Green Team and that you were recreating the Accelerator Lab. I'm not sure what, if everybody knows what the lab is, but I said, I'm happy to join the lab. And so that was the starting point because I was thinking, okay, what can I do in Congress Park to educate people about the recycling stream and to get more people to use the compost cart? Because currently, or at least it's been around 10 to 11% of residents who are eligible to get the cart use it. So that means there's 90% growth that we can have. There's 90% more Denver residents who could get that cart. And right now, 50 to 52% of what's going into um, our landfill is um, or organic materials. It's compostable. So we could decrease the landfill by 50% if we could get everybody to compost. So it just seems like there's a huge amount of, there's such potential for more people to do this and it's fun and easy once you know how to do it. So when I went to the first accelerator lab meeting and saw, wow, there's all these people from all over the city. Why just stick with Congress Park? So that's kind of how it got started was, look, there's all these people who are excited and enthusiastic. Why not connect into those people too? It was such an exciting thing for me to see because, um, yeah, as, as Tara was just mentioning with this accelerator lab, this was an idea that I came up with two weeks before that sustainability summit, <laughs> sitting there talking with Taylor because at that point, sustainable neighborhoods was not, um, it didn't have capacity to bring more neighborhoods on. Mm. And so I was saying, well, couldn't I start like a support group or something for, for neighborhoods and and so started talking about it at that summit. And, and so, yeah, our first, our first meeting was in January and we had 22 teams that signed up and we had something like 45 people came to that first meeting. Wow. And then, yeah, I think it was by the second meeting that you stood up and said, all right, does anybody want to do this, this composting challenge? And, and lots of other folks came to the table. Well, two things. One is I just want to underscore what Tara just said was half, half of the what gets picked up that's heading to the landfill, half of that could be going 
could be composted. It's just, it's a mind-blowing number, especially when we know now that recycling, you know, something like recycling plastic is, it's, it's just not as valuable of a, of a process right now because we've all the mixed plastics and China doesn't want a lot of our plastics. And there's, there's a lot of iffiness in recycling things like plastics, but with compost, it's really straightforward and really powerful. The, the other thing I wanted to, to touch on was the, the super cool thing was it wasn't only some of the neighborhoods that were interested, but Tara, do you want to talk about some of the other partners, the organizations that came together that, that pulled this thing, you know, that made it so strong? So I met Jasmine Barco at the sustainability conference and she works for EcoCycle. And again, I was already on the interested in this waste diversion and recycling. And so I set up a time to have a coffee with her to learn more about what does recycle, what doesn't, how does it work? And she was participating in the accelerator lab. So she immediately jumped on board. Um, Taylor from the sustainable neighbors program, she immediately jumped on board and said they would support it. And then I was able to reach out and we got Tay Dunkley and she is with Public Works Solid Waste Management. And so what's been really amazing, um, and of course the Accelerator Lab, yay to Joan. Um, but what's been really amazing is that Public Works, re- they used this as an opportunity to reorganize their website and make sure everything on composting was on one page and that they created a link with information for the compost challenge. So that made me feel really good because even if nothing else happened, I felt like we were making some motion in the sort of internet um, world, the world of the, of people who, we may, I may never meet somebody, but they might go to that website and get information about the compost challenge. So those are the other partners. There's several other pe- groups that like, um, the inner neighborhood councils is supportive. They're not a key, you know, there's groups like interfaith power and light, a whole bunch of other groups said, yes, we support you, but they aren't on the core organizing team. So I'm going to share my screen real quick so we can look at this page together. And it is a really cool place um, to, to just start. And what I like is, you know, it's got that, that first statistic right at the top about organic materials making up 50% of what Denver residents send to, to the landfill. What else can people find on this page? What else would you point them to? Okay, well, I think it's just important to know what our goals are. Our goals are to increase the number of residents who compost through any composting method, backyard composting, um, using the city cart, or um, there are also services that serve um, apartment buildings and condos that have more than eight units. We could talk about that. We also want to decrease contamination and compost and recycling. That means things like metal and plastic in the compost. We want to do education to make sure that we don't put those things in the compost. And we also want to build community and create stronger neighborhood connectedness because we really want this to be a neighbor to neighbor conversation and dialogue. So those are our three main goals. Um, The other thing is, if you look sort of down and to the right on the page, uh, they literally created um, the neighborhood leaderboard, and you can do that alphabetically. You can do it in a variety of ways. 
but you can see the rates at which neighborhoods are using the compost cart service through the city. It's much easier for us to measure than that. Like we don't know, we know a lot of people are backyard composting, but we don't have a real good way to measure that. Um, and so you can see the overall um, uh, rate in January or so was around 10 to 11%. I still have to find out what that's gone up to. But the top of the leaderboard is South Park Hill. They're at 35%. Um, Congress Park is at 22%. And what I want to say is when we started this challenge in April, we were at 20%. So we've gone up by 2%. There are neighborhoods that only got access to the compost carts more recently. So they have lower numbers, which makes sense. But for example, um, one of the neighborhoods that was at 1%, uh, which is Green Valley Ranch, they are now at 2%. Mm -hmm. Now that may seem like a small amount, but that's a 100% increase. So um, uh, I just see this as a way to continue to have conversations and to grow. And we decided not to have it be a competition between neighborhoods, but just an internal competition within a neighborhood to say, hey, can we increase the number of people we have composting in this neighborhood? Because certainly there's lots of different factors about why one neighborhood might use it more than another. And one, as you said, is that it wasn't rolled out to all neighborhoods at the same time. So Correct. some neighborhoods would have more time, but also that, um, you know, that, that quarterly fee that would be right. more of, more of a burden in some neighborhoods than others. Right. And some neighborhoods might have more people that are gardeners or composters already. Um, so lots of different factors. Right. There's lots of different reasons. And some of it is obviously financially, um, you know, low income neighborhoods, that's going to be a little bit more of a struggle to pay that fee. Um, at the same time, there's education. Some neighborhoods don't have as much information about composting and its importance and relevance. Um, and, and so that's our big focus is education. How do we get more people to understand what composting is and why it's important and why you would want to do it? And like you said, a lot of people already garden and gardeners oftentimes want to do their own composting. Right. And so um, what else should we look at on this page? So there's a toolkit for neighborhood organizers. And when you click on that link, you actually go to the Sustainable Neighborhood Network page. And they, there's just all kinds of things on this. There's ideas for what you might want to do in a neighborhood. Um, there are um, activities you can track. Um, you can track your activities. There's tracking sites. Mostly it's to say to groups that are either have green teams or maybe there is a faith-based sustainability community or just a group of interested neighborhoods, neighbors can say, oh, what might we do? And one of the things that's been really fun, a woman I met named Renee, she decided to just do a compost party. She lives in Bonnie Bray and the only person on her alleyway that had the bin because she would see every time she put it out, there was nobody else with the bin. So she had a party and it just invited all our neighbors who lived on the alleyway and talked about composting. And now she says four additional neighbors are, have either ordered the bin or are planning to order the bin. So it's very much a local community-based 
conversation. Um, so that's what this is. This page is just if you want to organize an event, you can. If you want to track, um, if you, suppose you don't want to organize an event, but you're just willing to talk to five of your neighbors about composting, you can do a Denver Compost Challenge commitment form and just say, hey, I'm talking to my neighbors about this. So that is the toolkit for people who want to do some work on the challenge. Yeah, and there's there's some other great things in here too. Some example social media posts, right. waste sorting quiz. So if you're like, I love I love composting, then that is definitely a place to go. So what about the people, Tara, that um, might be like me, which is I don't live in a single family residence, so we don't have the green cart option because our apartment owner contracts with a waste hauler. And so we don't have composting pickup. I, I end up taking mine to the, um, either to the Cherry Creek drop-off um, or, and there's also a neighbor a few blocks away who has um, offered to, for me to use her cart. I found her on next door. I just put a note out and said, Hey, I want to compost. Is anybody yeah, and I had like five different people that that said you can do in my backyard composting or you can use my cart. So um, that's that's an option. But yeah, um, so that is a really big issue. And I will say, in addition to doing this Denver Compost Challenge, um, there's some engagement with City Council now about kind of looking at all these different issues, like why. The current policy and system is, is that Denver provides the waste management for any residents with up to seven units. Once you have more than seven units, then the city does not provide it. So there's some conversations with the city about, you know, is there a way to expand that and provide support to those bigger buildings? But mm -hmm. the other thing is, um, there's this great site that talks about how do you have a conversation with people if you're in a condo with an HOA or an apartment complex, is there a way to talk to your neighbors and your manager about setting up composting and ordering it? But now there's all these really amazing um, small companies. Uh, Alpine Waste and Recycling is obviously a big company and they do great work. But I've got now one of the fun things from the Denver Compost Challenge is if I got to meet the people who run these new small composting. So there's Compost Colorado, Denver Compost Collective, and Scraps. And they all three have their own model. So Scraps uses bicycles to pick up your composting. Denver Compost Collective, they are taking the compost and making it and giving it to local farms. And many of those farms help with neighborhoods that have food insecurity. So they're sort of trying to have, they're not using um, the A1 organics like some of the other groups are. They're, they're using local farms with the, um, with the compost they collect. And Compost Colorado is the newest one. And I know that you've done a podcast with Van who runs that. Um, so that's a great podcast to watch. And he's looking at different models as well. And he's working a lot with coffee shops, trying to get coffee shops to compost. Um, and the thing about the three, the small ones, what they do is they give you a bucket and a nice clean bucket. And every week you put in your food waste and then they pick that bucket up and they give you a nice clean bucket after that. Now, of course you do have to pay. It's a fee, um, but it does allow you to compost. But Joan did mention 
Denver has a thing called the Cherry Creek Transfer Center, and that's a place for Denver residents to take recycling. They can take composting, et cetera. But I have to say, you're the hardcore good human being that's making that extra effort because that definitely is a little more extra effort to like collect your compost and then take it there. Well, I don't have recycling pickup either at my building. Uh, no. So I've, I've, I have to do something with my recycling also. My, yeah, my sister used to live a couple blocks away. So that was my plan for a while. But right. um, yeah, so, um, but, you know, I, I do think that it's funny about composting because I, I didn't grow up composting. And once you start saving your food scraps and your all these organics, you I think you really fall in love with them and and see them as part of the life cycle in a completely different way than you do, you know, I don't know, a plastic bag that your salad mix is wrapped in. Um, yeah, and I, I have to say, I'm totally, like I said, I have fallen in love with my compost cart. I mean, from the day I got it, I was like, this is the best thing ever because I have been lucky enough to have um, yard space and garden space and large trees in the last two homes I've lived in. And it's amazing the amount of stuff that just comes out of that, even when you're not doing major gardening. And I always felt horrible putting that. I used to, we used to have a dumpster right out back. And I always just felt terrible just shoving that stuff into the dumpster. And then the city, actually, if you put it in your trash can, they want you to bag it. So you're putting organic material into a plastic bag that's then going to go in the dump. And that's the natural life cycle before, you know, we created urban cities was trees would drop leaves. Those would decay. They become part of the earth. They would support the growth of the next plant groups. Um, so co to me, composting creates this beautiful circle of something grows in our yard or we eat food and there's waste from that food. I put it in my bin. I know that it's locally processed. Again, like a lot of recycling other than glass is sent out of the state of Colorado for processing. Um, our A1 organics is local. So my my food waste in my yard waste goes locally. They turn it into this beautiful, delicious compost that is so good for the soil and actually draws carbon out of the atmosphere. Because once trees and um, shrubs and plants, they pull carbon out of the atmosphere. That's how it got into the ground in the first place. You know, there's a whole history of plants pulling stuff into the, into, into the ground. And we need to sequester carbon out of the atmosphere into the ground. And that um, compost can hold 100% of its weight in water. And in a place like Colorado where it's dry and there's a lot of clay soil, we're nourishing the soil, we're nourishing trees and plants, we can nourish our food. So it's this, it feels very much like being a part of a natural cycle, which is rare when you live in an urban environment. Um, so that's what I love about it as well. As you're saying, it's a rare opportunity to be part of nature's cycle rather than throwing a wrench into it. And in some of those, there's a lot of um, misconceptions out there. I know that you did something um, called an intercept survey. 
And one of the things I like to remind people about is that, you know, our a lot of our communications are so dominated by social media and email and all this other stuff. The beauty of working in your community, what you know, what most people are trying to do with all that stuff, like if you talk to an online marketer, they're trying to do all that stuff so that they can, in the end, have a one-to-one conversation. So they have to work and work and work to get to that point. But if you're in the community, whether it's a faith community, a neighborhood or whatever, you can go straight to that one-to-one neighborhood, neighbor conversation. And so to, to realize that is the end goal. That is the most powerful thing that you can do. So, so tell us a little bit, um, Tara, about the, this intercept survey idea and what are some of the, the common misunderstandings that you, that you found that people have about composting? And the name of the book where this intercept survey is described is Fostering Sustainable Behavior, an Introduction to Community-Based Social Marketing by Doug McKenzie Moore. I read the book. It's fantastic. Um, And that has a lot of wonderful ideas, but does really reiterate that it's one-to-one neighbor-to-neighbor conversations that are really going to make change in a way that nothing else does. But they have this notion of an intercept survey, and they're using it really to gather data about sort of what people think about a particular issue or sustainable behavior. And an intercept survey is two questions. What do you find rewarding about X behavior? And what do you find challenging about or difficult about X behavior? Um, And so I decided to do a three-question face-to-face survey. And so I've done this in a few locations, but mostly I did, I started at the Denver Botanic Gardens plant sale where thousands of people were coming and the uh, urban guard, uh, the master composters were there. So I, they said I could come and hang out at their table with them. And so I sort of just went out into the crowds and I would say to people, do you, would you be willing to answer three quick questions about composting? And if they didn't want to, I wished them a nice day and they went on their way, but lots of people were happy to chat. And so my first question was, do you currently compost at home? And It was surprising because at the plant sale, you would think there'd be a high percentage of people who did. I probably talked about 50 to 60 people and a good half of them said no. So, and you would think that would be a population where more would say yes. And so if they said yes, I would say, oh, what do you find rewarding about composting? And I would make notes about that. And people said the things we've been talking about, like, I know what my food is grown in. I know where my food waste goes. I know, you know, that uh, I love to garden. Uh, It's part of the natural cycle. So all those things we've been saying. Um, And then I would say, do you find anything challenging about composting? Um, And then they would tell me if there was a challenge. But if they said, no, I reversed those questions. And I said, well, what do you find difficult or challenging about composting? And then I would say, if you did compost, what might be rewarding? And what I found was of the people I talked to there, about 50% of the people who didn't compost, the reason is they live in an eight unit or more building. So it's the condos and the apartments. And a lot of them said, I would love to compost. And most of them did not know about these various organizations like Scraps and Denver Compost Collective and Compost Colorado. And so I was able 
we created a little business card on a, and on the back has all the information about those organizations. So if that was their issue, I was able to hand them the card and simply say, hey, did you know about these groups? And if you're interested, do more research and maybe you can start getting compost picked up at your home. And a lot of, several people were super excited and asked me questions and I gave them the basics and then just said, here, go look up their websites and contact the groups. Um, then some people would say the difficulty was I want a backyard compost, but I don't know how, or I am backyard composting and I'm having this issue. So what was great was there I am standing with the master composter. So I would say two things. One is, did you know that Denver offers free classes on how to backyard compost? And it's, you can just go attend a class and they will teach you how to backyard compost. And two was, if you have a specific question, here's your fabulous master composter, and they can answer that question about your compost challenge, you know, issue. And then I found there were some people who live in single family homes who did qualify to get the green cart, but they just didn't even know about it or didn't understand it. And there's a lot of people who don't know what can go in the cart. So I was chatting with my neighborhood. My I do a lot of gardening out front and my neighbor was across the street. We always chat and I, he's in a duplex and I saw that he had the green cart and I said, Oh, I'm so excited. You've got, the compost cart. And he said, Oh, that's the, my neighbor. But she said, I could use it. And he does all the yard work. And I said, Oh, so are you putting your yard scraps in there? And he said, Oh, can those go in there? I had no idea. And I'm like, absolutely. And the next week I look across the street and there he is mowing the lawn and he's got the green compost cart sitting out by him. And I was like, Oh, it's a victory. And then Another friend of mine just did not know that paper towels, paper napkins, things like toothpicks or those chopsticks, any wood that's not, um, what's the word, finished? Uh, you know what, if that's natural, all of those things can go straight into your compost cart because they're organic materials. And I've just discovered so many people did not realize that those things could also go in the cart um, and so they got very excited. And I know several people who backyard compost and also have the cart because they can't put meat scraps in their compost heap and they can't put pizza boxes in their compost heap. So they have both the cart and they backyard compost. And a lot of them will share with their neighbors. That's the other thing is we've been really spreading the idea of, because some people will say, you know, I just can't fill the cart, which... I don't understand because I always fill my cart. Like I have no problem filling my cart, but so I say, why don't a bunch of you get, you know, get two or three neighbors together and then you can all use one cart. And people have been really excited about that idea too. And I think even the city of Denver has said, that's totally fine. So yep. it's, it's not like you're trying to, you know, sneak something by. It's something that is got the thumbs up that, yes, definitely coordinate. Of course, you know, one person is going to be on the, the bill. You can figure out um, however that works. I mean, the truck has to come pick it up anyway. So the city wants to get as much of that diverted out of the landfill as possible. So that's why they're saying sharing a card is fantastic. And so I think the other misunderstanding that a lot of people have about composting is just the basics of um, give us a quick overview of when you throw organic material. So we said that 50% of the stuff that 
could be 50% of what's going to the landfill could be composted. But so it's going to the landfill now. So what actually happens to that, that it doesn't naturally break down and become soil? So give us- So there's several problems. One is that whole issue of most people are putting it inside plastic bags and it's, and it's mixed in with all kinds of things that are actually trash or landfill. So it's not separated out. But they compress the trash into what they call cells and no oxygen gets in there. And the process of composting, you have to have oxygen and you have to have all the little creatures. It's all those teeny little um, uh, bacteria and, and various insects even that go in there and they process that. When they get put into the landfill and it's sealed into these um, cells that have no oxygen in them, it does not turn in to compost the way it would if it goes to A1 Organics. But what happens is it releases methane. And actually, methane is a much stronger um, uh, climate change gas than CO2. Methane is actually, there's a range, people say it's 15 to 30 times stronger. It does not last as long in the atmosphere as the CO2 does, but it does more damage in the short term. And given the short amount of time that the United Nations has given us to, to sort of deal with this, methane is a huge problem. And so, um, so it's going into the landfill and it's turning into methane. Um, at the landfill, they actually do take some of that methane and turn it into energy, but it's a very small percentage of the overall methane. The rest of it just gets released to the atmosphere. And landfills, you know, they've gotten better over the years, but there's a landfill out by Lowry. They didn't used to have great rules about um, what you put in the landfill and how you um, sort of mitigated the potential damage. And it's now a super fun site and has leached into the water system. And um, now we're having to spend millions, if not billions of dollars to clean that up. And then, you know, landfill is not going to be a great space in the future to farm. So, right, like you want the compost get to be in gardens and when farming and in natural environments. If you think about what goes in your trash, even if there was soil around that, it's not going to function. It's still going to be a big pile of trash. And so if you think about that, we could so radically decrease the size of the landfill and decrease the problems that get created by landfills. We could take that methane straight out of the atmosphere, and then we create this wonderful compost that then becomes this resource for food, for food um, and all kinds of things that is going to help us um, as, as we deal with these various environmental issues like climate change. Like in Tara's story where the person across the street has already been getting all these mailings from Denver Recycles saying, you know, this is available, you can do this. But when a neighbor says, hey, I'm doing this and I'll help you, that is, that is so powerful. This, this neighbor to neighbor thing and like the story of Renee in in Bonnie Bray seeing that people in her alley aren't using it having a little party um, this is a really powerful it seems like a, a kind of a simple thing 
but it's just such a powerful thing that, that everybody can do. What else should we mention before we kind of wrap up here? Well, anybody who's interested, I encourage you to go to the website. We do have a small Facebook group, but we're encouraging people to join that Facebook group. Um, And really, one, if you're not composting, is there a way you could start composting? So if you're not composting, think about what if you could start. It's not easy for everybody, as as Joan can attest. Um, and can you talk to your neighbors or your friends or your family or people you work with and and get them to understand that this is a big this actually is going to make an impact on climate change. And if we're going to be sustainable for the future in these big cities and big urban environments, one of the things we need to start doing is dealing with the waste we are creating and composting just seems like the greatest way to do that. Indeed. And I think the, the other part of that is like, if you don't know how to compost, but you see somebody else is doing composting, then go ask them because they're probably going to be like us, which is like in love with the thing uh, with that idea and would be happy to help you figure out those things. This is why I always say that if you want a transformation in your community, you're going to have to experience a transformation yourself. Where, like Tara, stopping people uh, that are walking, you know, having a clipboard and going out there, you know, so she was a professor doing this other thing and putting yourself out there and having those conversations, um, it's, it's exciting. And if you can approach it that way and then you see that the impact that you have, it's, um, it's pretty cool. And it's, it, I think, um, so... So I'm so excited to be connected with, you know, with this Denver Compost Challenge that kind of came out of our Accelerator Lab. And I'm so excited seeing, I don't, I'm not part of the kind of main team, but I occasionally pop in the meetings and seeing uh, Denver Recycles and Sustainable Neighborhoods and EcoCycle and Tara and all these people working together um, to do this citywide. I mean, Denver's huge. <laughs> and as I said, we didn't even meet. We met just nine months ago. So um, yep. if, if, there, if you have an idea, don't think that, oh, well, there's already a city department working on it. They need, they need people like you mm-hmm. that have the time and the passion and that are walking down the alleys and talking to neighbors. Um, you have something special. That, that they don't have. Um, so, but together you can really make a big impact. Thank you so much, Tara, for hey, hanging out. Fun. Yeah, exactly. And remember everybody that the time for action is now because there is no planet B. Bye everybody. And thanks, Tara. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.